Now, for our reading from God's Word this morning, we're turning to Ephesians chapter 5, continuing our studies there in uh, verses 15 to 33, and we will be considering verse 20 as our main text later in the service. But we read the section now together from Ephesians 5 verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle, or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hates his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. May the Lord be pleased then to bless that portion of his word. Our text this morning, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 20, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In this passage, we are dealing with the important matter of what the Spirit-filled life looks like. A person who is filled with the Holy Spirit. We noticed in verse 19, uh, it spoke of this very clearly. Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. And we notice there, uh, then in these verses 19 to 21, three clear signs of what it is to be filled with the Spirit. You might have thoughts about what that might entail, uh, but the Scripture is very clear. Firstly, a, a Spirit-filled person is joyful. They sing hymns of praise to God on their own and in the company of God's people. They encourage one another with regards to this. Joy can be spread. Joy can be shared. Are you someone who brings light into a room when you arrive? Or are you someone who brings a sense of darkness? 
Is your heart full of joy? Or is it a grumbling, depressed sort of heart? The second point this morning is this. A spirit-filled person is evidently seen because they're thankful. It, it permeates their life. It comes out in the little phrases. It comes out in the expressions. It comes out in, in the way they act. They're thankful. Above all, thankful to God. And then in verse 21, which God willing we'll see on another occasion, there is as well about a spirit-filled person, a submissiveness. Now, certainly we understand, and later on Paul goes on to explain the relationships between wives and husbands. There has to be order, there has to be a sense of uh, someone who, who makes decisions, others as well who also make decisions, but there, there's agreement. But there's a submissiveness in that. And also as well, verse 21 tells us, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He is the head, he is the Lord, and we then submit to one another. And those are three clear evidences, but this morning we're looking at the second of these three. We're considering thankfulness. And firstly, under three headings, we look at the fact that thankfulness here is constant. Always giving thanks. Secondly, this thankfulness is comprehensive. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything, or in everything. So, it's constant, it's comprehensive. And then thirdly, which is uh, quite unusual for us to find a text, it's the only time it's mentioned in the whole of the New Testament, it's a combined thankfulness. We look at that, usually you give thanks to God the Father. But what does the end of the verse tells us? Giving thanks to God the Father in everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we are thankful to God because of the blessings that come to each one of us through our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a combined thankfulness. We thank the Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit. So those are our three main points this morning. Now, firstly, first part of verse 20, there's to be a constant constancy in our thankfulness. To remind you again as we read that verse, always giving thanks to God the Father. This attitude is, is evident uh, in the Apostle Paul. Someone has described a Christian then, someone who has uh, an attitude. We all have attitudes, don't we? Uh, the attitude of gratitude, somebody uh, quite sort of coined the phrase an attitude of gratitude well notice it immediately it's in Paul the man who's writing uh, this letter to the Ephesians this man who met the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus look at him immediately here in this letter if you go back to chapter 1 of Ephesians and verse 16 uh, he's opening up the letter. He's about to write to them. He's about to explain a number of things, including this that we're looking at this morning. And he says in verse 16 of chapter 1, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Constant cause of thankfulness to God for the work of God amongst the people at Ephesus. He was certainly thankful for these people for their support and their concern, but he is also thanking God for them. So he's personally thankful but he's also thankful to God for what God is doing in their hearts. And that was true of those people as well who lived at Philippi. Uh, another of Paul's letters, Philippians 1 verse, uh, uh, verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you. 
Now, most of us probably have a prayer list. I'm sure you have a prayer list of people, perhaps, that you may be praying for this morning. Or, as well, for situations in family life and in national life and church life that may be difficult at the moment. You know, everybody's perhaps uh, struggling with uh, certain things in their life. Well, do you also have not only a prayer list for people who are in trouble and people who are in difficulty, but do you have a, a thanks list? That includes people and places and pleasures in your daily life that, in one sense, have become so much a part of your life that you now consider them as commonplace. And you no longer give thanks to God for them. Are there people in your life that you can thank God that you met them? Thank God for the impact they've had upon you. Now, they might not be so much involved in your life now as they once were, but you're certainly thankful to God for them. One of the besetting failures of the people of Israel during the time spent in the wilderness uh, was their continual grumbling and murmuring. The Lord, you see, had delivered them from slavery in Egypt and brought them out of bondage into wonderful freedom. But we read about this grumbling in Numbers chapter 11 and verse 1. The people complained about their hardships. They said, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions and the garlic. And what had happened that they had forgotten that they'd, what they'd been delivered from. Delivered from slavery. What would you have? Would you, would you rather be eating a cucumber and some garlic and be a slave? Or to be eating the manna that God, we noticed with the children, God was providing every day for them as they made their journey away from that place of slavery into this promised land that they were about to enter with Joshua. Thanksgiving follows in appreciation of the blessings already bestowed. So many are not thankful because perhaps they give themselves the credit for the things that they have. There's a sort of a sense of superiority. It's a, you see, it was my intellect. You know, I worked hard when I was in school. I, I studied hard. I, I worked well and I, I, I commit myself to it. And that's why I prospered. Well, listen to David, King David, in his prayer. In 1 Chronicles, chapter 29, verse 12, it includes this phrase. Wealth and honor comes from you. There's an acknowledgement of it. A thankful person acknowledges that. A thankful person is aware also of their unworthiness in this matter. All the blessings we receive come from our Father. There is acknowledgement as well that these blessings are, are many and manifold. David in Psalm 40 verse 5 speaks of the too many blessings to declare. Blessings beyond. We used to sing that old chorus many, many years ago. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. What we notice is that it is not so much only in a general sense of thankfulness. But it is addressed to one who is the source of the blessings. Always giving thanks to God the Father. You see, there is a sense, if you don't believe in God, well, you can be thankful. You're grateful. Um, you're glad. 
but in one sense, you don't really know who to who address that thankfulness. You're just, it's a feeling you have. Now, the reality is, you have that feeling because you are made in the image of God, and you know that things have worked out much better than perhaps you deserved, but because you don't acknowledge a God and a creator, you have no one to thank. But that's that sense of well-being that you have, that things have gone well, and you're, you're amazed, and you're, 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 well, you're overwhelmed by it. But that's the reality of it. You're experiencing all those blessings from the God whom you don't acknowledge, whom you don't love, whom you don't serve. And this thought then, this thought of always giving thanks is something then that is done regularly. It's a pause for thought. We have these moments where we do have, perhaps at the beginning of the year, we, we look back and we look forward and we, and we pause for thought and we're, we're thankful. We're thankful that despite the struggles and the difficulties, we, we've come through it. There's been twists in the road, there have been hills to climb, there have been cloudy days and sad days, and we've been through the storm, but we came through it and we're thankful. But also as well, in that pause for thought, it should lead to a pause for thanks. Now, I'm going to quote a, a morning prayer uh, that will make the point well. You forgive it, forgive me for the humour in it. Even though I clutch my blanket and growl when the alarm goes off, I thank you, Lord, that I can hear, for there are many who are deaf. Even though I close my eyes as long as possible against the morning light, thank you, Lord, that I can see. There are many who are blind. Even though I put off the effort to rise, thank you, Lord, that I have the strength to get up. There are many who are bedridden. Even though the first hours of my day include socks that are lost, toast that is burned, and tempers that are short, thank you, Lord, for my family. There are many who live alone. Even though our breakfast table never lacks or never looks like the pictures in the magazine and the menu at times is unbalanced, thank you, Lord, for the food we have. There are many who are hungry. Even though my job is sometimes monotonous, thank you for the opportunity to work. There are many who are unemployed. Even though I complain from time to time and wish my circumstances were different, thank you for the gift of life. There are people in the graveyard who would gladly change places with me. Even though I make mistakes, stumble and fall, thank you for the grace to get up again. There are many who did not make it. Thank you, Lord, for all these blessings and 101 others that I have taken for granted. Amen. You see something in one sense, we understand blessings bestowed. And then uh, there is the incident found in the Gospel of Luke that underlines this point also. In Luke chapter 17 and verse 11, we see uh, the Lord Jesus uh, on his way to Jerusalem. And he enters a village and ten men uh, with leprosy uh, approach him from a distance and they ask him to have pity on him, on them. And Jesus told them to, to go and make their way to the priest uh, who was given the task of deciding if a person was clean and cleared of leprosy and could re-enter uh, social life. And as they did so, the ten were cleansed. On realizing this, we know one turned back and uh, threw himself at the feet of the Lord Jesus, and we read, and thanked him. 
Jesus mentions that that thankful one was a Samaritan. And that was a sharp bob uh, for the religious Jews who were listening to this story uh, as they heard it, as Jesus had done so with the story of the Good Samaritan as well. And then Jesus asks a couple of simple questions. Were not all ten healed? Where are the other nine? Now, we have found regularly thanking God for the blessings received, but particularly for the great salvation he obtained on behalf of those who come to him in repentance and dependence upon him. So this is to be a a regular thing. It's marked out. It's an attitude. It's an attitude that permeates the life. Secondly, this morning, it's not only a constant, but it's also comprehensive. Look how the verse continues. Always giving thanks to God the Father in everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're to give God thanks to the Father for everything, or in everything. Now, there's need for caution here immediately. For if pressed too literally... We may think that what we are being instructed to do here is to be thankful even in the face of blatant acts of evil and grief. So, are we to thank God when genocide is happening in some country perhaps in Africa or in Asia? When child abuse is taking place in homes in the United Kingdom? When there are terrorist atrocities? Well, surely these can never be a cause of thanksgiving. But we are able to say we may be thankful that God is with his people even when they go through hard and difficult times. Take the example of Matthew Henry, uh, the commentator. Lived in Chester in North Wales, just outside the borders there. He wrote in his diary after he had been robbed and stolen from. Now notice carefully that he did not thank God that he'd been robbed. He didn't thank God. Thank you, Lord, that somebody robbed me today. He didn't do that. Watch carefully what he does. And it's an important help to us. It wasn't, thank you, God, for whatever happens. No. What he did, he said this. Firstly, let me be thankful that I was never robbed before. Second, that although they took my purse, they didn't take my life. Thirdly, that although they took everything I had, it wasn't much. And fourthly, that it was I who was robbed and not I who did the robbing. Now, can you see, even in that little illustration, this sense that you can give thanks to God in the circumstances for all things that happen to you? It's not an easy thing to do. David wasn't thanking the Lord either uh, for the valley of the shadow of death that he was going through. In Psalm 23, but he certainly did uh, give thanks That he was fearing no evil. For why? Because the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him in the valley of the shadow of death. And John Stott comments that a believer then learns not to argue with the Lord in their sufferings. But to trust him 
in their sufferings. And that is not then praising God for the cancer or for the breakup of a relationship or for the loss of a job, but thanking God for being God in the circumstances in our life. Neither do we give thanks to God for other people's sadness and tragedies. But we can be thankful that in such situations, the voice of God that was whispering to them in their pleasures that wasn't listened to, and that spoke to them in their conscience and also wasn't listened to, may now be shouting to them in their pain and they may begin to give attention. There is an opposite danger also. We can be so blessed, so provided for, that we, ass we assume upon it. We presume it to continue. We almost feel that we have earned it as a right. So, it may be up to this moment, you've had good health. And you're assuming that because of the, the way that you, you eat your food and the way that you exercise, you'll always be healthy. And then something comes from nowhere. And you, you're, you're amazed. Well, why, why me? I'm such a healthy person. I, I live so well. I've, and you look back at your history and you think, well, why, why has this come to me? Well, you've assumed. The fact that you breathe, the fact that you haven't had an operation, the fact that you've never gone to hospital and spent time there, it's because of God's goodness and his kindness and his mercy to you. And yet you've assumed it was the way you were conducting yourself. Now, you may have followed principles that the scriptures would endorse. But we understand in the end, it's all of him. It's all of him. It's all of God's goodness and his grace and his mercy. We are told that our days are post-Christian. Materialism is the dominant way of life. And we anticipate uh, earning more and living well and increasing our security in these things. Well, if the last 14 years haven't taught us anything, surely we've begun to realize that you can't depend upon these things. There are people now who are worse off than they were 10 years ago. So this idea of continuing prosperity is a nonsense. And as a matter of fact, the history of people tell you this. And even with regards to the great empires, whether it's the Babylonian and the Assyrian, whether it's the Greek, whether it's the Roman, whether it's the British Empire, whether it's some other empire now, whatever it is, they come and they go. Recall for a moment another parable found in Luke chapter 12 of a man with a portfolio that had blossomed. He had more than he could manage. And what occupied his mind was simply building bigger. Retiring early was certainly an option for him, and then also as well to take it easy and to enjoy himself. But in a moment, it was all gone. There was no bank crash. There was no earthquake. He suddenly died. And that was the end of it. And as the old hymn says, he had loved, or he had lived for the toil and pleasure of each day, as if no Christ had shed his precious blood, and as if he owed no homage, no thanks to his God. So, comprehensive thankfulness as well as constant 
thankfulness. And then thirdly and finally this morning, there's a combined thankfulness which is mentioned in the last part of verse 20. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we mentioned in introducing it, this is the only reference in the New Testament to thanks being offered in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The usual injunction is to thank God the Father. James chapter 1 verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. There's to be no question this morning that the source of all blessings is with God the Father. Out of the heart of the Father above we sing, streaming to me and to you. But we are here reminded that it is through the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that all these spiritual blessings come to us. For he has earned all those blessings on his people's behalf. And he is now seated at the right hand of God. And basically, what he is doing, we speak of it as this high priestly intercession, uh, those benefits that he received as a result of his obedience in life, he is now dispensing to his people on a daily basis. An unconverted person, as we've said, can feel a sense of thankfulness. He may express it in such terms as that he's been lucky, or that he's fallen on his feet, or he's knowing good fortune, or he's been dealt a very good hand of cards. But it's all very nebulous. The spirit-filled believer has a growing appreciation of the source of every blessing. And that it is through Jesus Christ that the spiritual blessings come to them. Brought these blessings to them as they have trusted in him. The unconverted person sees no reason or cause to be thankful to God. How does Paul express it in Romans 1 verse 21? They neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. There it is, nor gave thanks to him. But in their thinking, they became futile. But a regenerated person, and here's the test. Are you a thankful person this morning? A regenerated person has a new nature. It is the Spirit of God who enlightens and illumines the mind. And as a believer grows in the things of God, as the old nature, as Paul there in this Ephesian letter talks about the putting off of the old nature, the putting on of the new, so the Spirit of God fills that human being with a spirit of thankfulness. One commentator writes about a, an unconscious Trinitarian uh, for, focus. In this passage, we certainly recall that in the opening sentence of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14, one long sentence in the original Greek. It spoke, speaks of the Father in verse 3, Jesus Christ in verse 5, and of the Holy Spirit in verse 13, all a part and parcel of this great plan of salvation. But also a Christian, as they read the Bible and they fellowship with other believers, See, again, wonderful reasons to come to the Father through Jesus the Son, by the Holy Spirit, to give God all the glory. It's nearly 50 years now since I studied the Shakespeare play, King Lear. Very few lines that I remember now. 
of it. But one line I do remember that uh, struck me at the time uh, was King Lear speaking about his uh, youngest daughter, Cordelia. He completely misunderstood her. And this is what he said about her. How sharper than a serpent's tooth it is to have a thankless child. He was wrong. She wasn't thankless. She loved her father. It was the two other sisters that were, were out for the benefit. Leah was wrong in his assessment of Cordelia. Well, may the Lord God, who knows all things and sees all things, look into our hearts this morning and be pleased to know that we're not thankless children, but those who daily, regularly, privately as well as publicly, take those opportunities to say thank you to the Lord for saving us. Thank you to the Lord for making us whole. Thank you to the Lord for giving us hope of eternal life, the great salvation of which we now are participators, in which we are participators. Well, may the Lord help us to be thankful in 2023 and express it in our worship and our attitude. Amen.